You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. We'll break down the course, we'll break down the field, and then we'll have a little fun and games at the end. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, welcome. Hello. The First Cut Podcast. We're getting real hot, Rick. We're, we're making some picks. We had Eric Cole on this. Listen, we're at a disadvantage to some degree because we're Monday. We're one of the kind of the first ones out. But we had Eric Cole last week. We had Ben Martin last week. We had Chris Kirk last week. If you made a lineup with our picks, you probably, not definitely, but you probably did really well. So we're on a bit of a heater here. Let's go. Things are happening. Things are happening. We are getting a much stronger field this week at the Bay Hill Club because uh, this is another one of the elevated events. Yeah? So 44 of the top 50 players in the world are going to be teeing it up. Eric Cole in the field uh, again. Chris Kirk in the field again, but they will be joined by the likes of Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, and such. Well, interesting, because some of those guys you mentioned, Chris Kirk, namely, an excellent history here. Not just one, one or two years of which, I mean, I think guys, it's this is a really interesting tournament, because I think guys like Chris Kirk really buck the conventional wisdom of what you need to do well here. Uh, obviously, Chris Kirk has some some things that that I think most models will will want to emphasize, particularly, you know, some of the ball striking and putting stuff. But yeah, he's not like super long. I mean, there's things that some of these golfers do purely from a ball striking standpoint and maybe a putting standpoint that uh, maybe you can just lean on that stuff. So it's going to be really interesting because really what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of different prototypes that can succeed here. It's not just one type of golfer. That's for sure. Yeah, before we jump too deep into this, let me remind those who are listening, you, the fans, that the one-and-done link for your selection is live. The link's in the description. You guys are in second behind Mark, and while there was essentially no blood drawn last week, see, I can't imagine that's going to happen again because it's 20 mil in the purse with 3.6 to the eventual winner. Yeah, this is one of those where if you want to stay relevant in your one and done, you, you, you're going to have to, in this one and done or any one and done, you're going to have to maybe spike this one and, and get maybe a top one or top two or top three finish. And there's, listen, there, there's a lot of good reason to play a John Rahm or a Scotty Sheffield. I will, I will say this, Rick, I can't give my player out at the end of this show. The reason is because there's definitely going to be some wind concerns and we can address that, you know, later on in the show. But it looks like Friday afternoon in particular might be a super windy day. That can change. It's only Monday. With that said, I want tea times to come out before I submit my pick, which will be before Tuesday at five o'clock, which is, I assume is when they're due. But you never know, Rick. It keeps changing, right? No, I I always know when it is. It's uh, oh, 5 oh. p.m. Eastern time this week. And you're right. This is probably a week to hold on as long as possible. See how things develop let's talk about the golf course if you could share my screen troy that'd be splendid my website rickrungood.com the course key stats model bay hill before we even jump into the metrics yeah this is a pretty sticky course history this is one that um i don't want to liken it to augusta national it's usually the stickiest course history but we're pretty darn close we are i mean the thing is I've started to veer a little bit away from that based on what we've seen recently with other courses that have been quote sticky, but what we saw, we saw a lot of guys just flatly not succeed who had had succeeded before. So it's one of those things I'm certainly taking it into account and I'm going to look at course history. You know, it's, it's always that saying, like when you want to minimize something, you're like, well, I'll use it for tiebreakers. I'm not going to suggest that necessarily. I want to look at it. But I also want to look a little bit deeper. You know, we have the benefit of Rick Run Good. We can see why they did well. We can see if they did well for a particular reason. For example, 
maybe somebody did poorly because they had a terrible putter that week. And historically, or recent form-wise, their putter has really turned around. They've turned around something in their game. So I want to look at it, but I I don't want to just look at the placing. I want to look a little deeper than that. Uh, generally a tough test at Bay Hill. You're going to see some thick rough. You're going to see this course play fairly long as a par 72, 74, 100 yards, 75, 100 yards. And the wind that CEO was mentioning certainly lurking as well. Um, when I look at the key stats model on rickrungoods.com, there's two things that jump out to me, Sia. There's driving distance, which is also backed up by the fact that clubhead speed ranks very highly as well. That is not only hit it long off the tee, but the ability to extract yourself from that thick rough and then approach play approach play every single week is like the value of it is a very highly correlated stat. But the way that this model runs is that there's only six courses on the PGA tour schedule where strokes gain approach is more important than here at Bay Hill. So this, this truly does allow some of the best, ball strikers, whether that's through approach play, whether it is through distance to separate themselves from the rest. I love that club head speed is high on that list. I mean, I I totally agree with you, or I agree with this model. I should say that, you know, I I don't, for me, distance off the tee, obviously it's, it's important to some degree. I'm not going to weigh it as much as perhaps like this model does, or a lot of people in the industry are, but I do think club head speed kind of goes hand in hand, but, but it's because of that second shot. I think it's because of Obviously, if you get it out there further off the tee, you're going to have shorter distance coming in. But I think, you know, being in the rough, a lot of people are going to be in the rough and just the ability to use your word, Rick, extract the ball cleanly and and to be able to do it with the right club head speed or, or a powerful club head speed at that and, and maybe get yourself on the green out of the rough. I think that's going to be really important. We see the long approach play being really important here. So for me, if it's if it's between like driving distance and long irons, I'm probably going to defer to long irons, but certainly both of them are important. But one other thing you mentioned was ball striking. That That's my big emphasis, and that's kind of a more global thing. But I don't mind being global this week in terms of maybe not maybe not parsing through a bunch of different stats, maybe looking at some global stats, whether that be T to green or greens in regulation or ball striking. I think those are going to be really important. The... A lo- the long approaches, uh, I will I will point out one thing because you mentioned it, it showed up on that stat sheet there. Here's the scorecard. Uh, number two is a par three, that's 231 yards. Number seven, the shortest of the par threes, 199. 14 is 215 yards, 17 is 221 yards. This is the longest, or at least last year was the longest set of non-major championship uh, par threes, only... Southern Hills for the PGA championship was longer. So I know that's only four out of 18 holes, Sia, but like how much are we going to factor in the ability to play long, uh, long par threes very well? I'm definitely going to take a look at it uh, along with some of that, some of that long iron play. I mean, you're right. These are extremely long par threes. You're going to have fives that are, you know, somewhat gettable too. So you're going to want to look at, you know, being able to, to get there in two on the par five. So again, to me, it kind of goes back. I mean, I, I'm happy to look at long, longer par threes, 200 plus par threes, but to me, it goes back to the longer irons. That's something I'm going to be focused on. Okay. Uh, anything else course wise, uh, larger than average greens, there's water out here. Anything else before we move on and actually start talking about players? Well, we mentioned the wind and, and, and again, you, you... I agree with you, Rick. It's it's kind of quote noisy to to look at wind, but I think it's something to maybe factor in if you're modeling. Maybe you you kind of overlay the the model with some perhaps difficult scoring conditions or perhaps windy conditions because we're probably going to see that through the weekend. Um, that's probably the only other thing to mention that that you know difficult scoring conditions, uh, wind. It's just going to come into play here. Okay. Uh, let's jump into this field, start breaking it down from top to bottom. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet, Sia. Three golfers, three standalone at the top. John Rahm, 11,500. Scotty Scheffler, 10,900. Rory McIlroy, 10,6. Gap to everybody else. Let's start with these three and how we can best deploy them in our fantasy lineups. Well, like we always say, especially in the stacked fields, they're all really, really good. Um, John Rahm is probably the guy I want to build with the most for a couple different reasons. One is it's really hard to build with him. And that might sound counterintuitive, but what that really means is not a lot of people are, in my opinion, not a lot of people are going to be comfortable starting their lineups at that price tag where John Rahm is sitting. So, and, and to be honest with you, you mentioned gap, you mentioned the three players and then a gap. Like, I kind of think there's a gap right now between John Rahm and, and the rest of the world. And so I think I'm willing to play that in this tournament. What that's going to require me to do, of course, is really be kind of crafty with who I take in the 9K range. And maybe it may, means I have to dip down into the 6K range. But, because if you grab John Rahm and anybody, let's say in the low 9K range, you're basically sitting at like 7,100, 7,200 at best. May, maybe even like, like a flat 7K. So it makes it problematic. But again, I think that's going to lend itself to people taking Roy McElroy or Scotty Scheffler in, in DraftKings, for example. So I do like John Rahm. I'll mention if you're looking at, this is what I meant by kind of going a little bit deeper. If you're looking at where he placed, let's just say, last year and you're like ah t17 i'm not super impressed with that rory's history is so much better keep in mind he was an absolute monster t to green last year he lost almost four strokes with the putter last year and we know that's one thing he has really really turned around over the last whatever it's been four or five months so third t to green in, in 2022 um again last year he was number one ball striking by over two shots last year uh, all signs to me in, in terms of recent play and what he did last year point to john Rahm. Yeah, 11.4 strokes gained ball striking at this event last year. He gained 12 and a half at Riviera en route to his victory. Uh, obviously, two completely different finishes where just the putter makes the difference. I will I will point out this. It's not just Sia's eyes that say John Rahm is pretty significantly the best player in the world. The numbers do as well. Last 36 rounds, there's only four golfers gaining at least two strokes per round worldwide across six tours. So Patty Harrington gets a big boost from destroying the senior tour. Minwoo Lee gets a big boost for destroying the European tour. Then you get Rory McIlroy at 2.68. John Rahm at 3.25 strokes gained per round. It's a pretty significant gap. And the fact that he has done it in basically uh, the deepest fields is, is, is even crazier. So 11,500 is the tag on Rahm. If, if people opsia to scoot out of Rom and go down for the $600 savings to Scotty Scheffler or the $900 savings to Roy McElroy. Is there one of those that you would prefer over the other? 
It's tough. I mean, I think you could make the argument that certainly Scotty's playing a little bit better coming off uh, the win at Phoenix and and just being better than Rory at the Genesis. But I think they're both good. If you look at their histories, their, their histories are both really good too. Um, if it's me, I'm probably going with Scotty Scheffler. At some point, Rory's going to emerge as, you know, a guy who's going to basically be contending in, in multiple tournaments in a row. And this might be one of them. But right now, this this time of the season, it's it's Scotty season. We we definitely know that, and and he proved it once again once again already this year. To me, it's Rom Scotty Roy. That's how I rank them. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. You know, Rory, oh man. Okay, so let me start with Scotty. I guess he has already successfully defended once this year in in Phoenix. He's going to try to defend again. I probably lean a bit more towards Rory. The Tita Green numbers still absolutely splendid, and even in those two quote, disappointing finishes for Rory, which are only disappointments for Rory. T32, T29 in Phoenix and Riviera. He was great from T to green. He lost like eight strokes putting. Um, you look at the history, and I've 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 mentioned this on, on my YouTube channel. I've got a uh, a newsletter going out later this week here, Sia. But the history that Rory has at Bay Hill is like elite, elite, course history it's it's Patrick Cantlay at at Summerlin it's John Rahm at Torrey Pines it's Rory McIlroy at Bay Hill like this is about as good as it gets for any golfer at any golf course totally agree uh which is why it's really hard to parse through the three of these guys Rory Rom, Scotty, they're all really, really good. You, you, you obviously, you, you can't choose all three. You can avoid all three if you want. I mean, I think that's also an okay strategy just in terms of how it makes your lineup look from a build standpoint. But again, even with the history, like, and I got to defer really to recent form over course history, really at all times right now, because that's sort of the trend that I'm seeing is that course history has really taken a backseat to recent form. So again, it, it's Rom for me, but I have no problems playing Roy. Listen, if you want to start your lineup with Rory, it completely makes sense. And, and it certainly makes sense when you look at the history. Uh, starting with Rom would leave you five golfers at $7,700 a piece. $7,700. Starting with Rory, do a little quick napkin math here. Uh, it'd get you closer to 7,900 a player. So, I mean, it's it's a little bit more wiggle room. Are, do, do you feel like that $900 basically over five golfers that you're going to have to plug in with one of these guys is, is worth it. Is that, you know, this is such a stacked field. I'd almost hate to be like Rom and five guys at 7,700. You know what I mean? I feel like you're passing up on a lot of win equity there, but I don't know. I haven't, I haven't built as much as I'm sure you have already. So you're right. Uh, it's, it's, see, that's the thing is I'm not suggesting that Rom's going to be really low owned, but it's so hard to justify building a lineup with John Rahm at the top because you have to like, again, so a guy I like in the 9K range, which I know we'll get to, if you take the lowest guy in the 9K range, and, and I'll just let the cat out of the bag, it's Victor Hovland, and you pair him with Rahm, it still only leaves you 73-75. Like, that's just not good. And you're taking the lowest 9K guy. Imagine taking a guy, you know, in the in the midnight, like a Colin Morikawa or a Justin Thomas. That's going to leave you like 7,100 if, if that. I'm just doing quick math, maybe a flat 7K. The point is, it's just really difficult to build with Rom, which kind of like to me, that kind of makes me want to build with Rom and maybe take a Victor Hovland with that and then just do my best with maybe a 6K guy that I really like. And there are a couple 6K guys I like, by the way. And then a 7K guy, maybe I can fit an 8K guy in there. But to your point, Rick, I agree. There's so much win equity here that that if you wanted to start with with Scheffler or Rory, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. So Rom, Victor, and then if you get four guys on the average, right? I mean, obviously you could go down and get somebody at $6,300 and free yourself up some spots. But just to kind of game this out a little bit, what you'd be quote unquote stuck with is basically Rom, Rory, and excuse me, Rom, Victor, and four of Gary Woodland, Lucas Herbert, Seamus Power, Taylor Montgomery, Luke Liss, Min Woodley, Nick Taylor, Tom Hoagie, Aaron Wise, Adrian Moronk. That that mm. that ilk of golfer is what you'd be left with. And that's those aren't terrible golfers. You, what what you really have to do there is assess who you're passing up in the in the eight K range and the high seven K range, and just determine if those guys like a Min Woodley, who I kind of like at seventy three hundred, is he the type of guy that maybe has the same type of upside as a Tom Kim or a Jason Day or Terrell Hatton? I'm not sure I know the answer to that question, but that's sort of some of the argument you're making to yourself. There. 
the $9,000 range, uh, that gap. So that gap from Rory to Homa is $900. I do not recall, Sia, a gap that big from the tens to the nines before. Me neither. It's it's really interesting pricing. I don't know why they wouldn't have moved somebody up to the 10K range or at least put Max Homa or let's say a Justin Thomas at 9,900. I, I can't really explain that. Homa 97, JT 96, Colin Morikawa 95, Zalatoris 94, Tony Finau is 93. Then we go Xander at 92, Cantlay at 91, and the aforementioned Victor Hovland at $9,000 flat. Okay, so this is obviously tier two, which is uh, amazing because there's a ton of great golfers here. We've talked about Victor. Do we want to dive into that or do we want to start somewhere else first? Well, I'll start with Victor and then I'll, and then I'll point out maybe another name that I think is really interesting, partly because of his price. And then maybe we can discuss a couple other guys, because obviously I agree with you. Uh, this nine K range is extremely rich. If, if you wanted to take the chance and start here, I kind of get it, but let's start at the bottom. Why not Victor Hovland at 9,000? Uh, listen, fourth tee to green here last year gaining over 10 strokes okay so let's just, and by the way that's tee to green that's not ball striking so that's going to factor in around the green game play which i know is going to be something he's criticized about quite a bit well he's played here over the last four times that he's played here he's gained around the green three of those four times so this is why for me i understand around the green is definitely going to come into play here it makes sense i just wonder how difficult it is for some of these guys who are bad around the green to navigate this course, because we see it with Victor Hovland, we've seen it with Corey Connors, who's gained pretty significantly around the green as well. So I'm not really afraid of Victor Hovland from an around the green standpoint. He's certainly proven it time and time again that he can, see, can succeed in that department here. Again, he's played four times. Over the last three, he's gained big ball striking, and it's been a progression. He gained four strokes ball striking, then seven strokes ball striking, and then nine strokes ball striking over his last three tournaments. I love that progression. Uh, he lost with the putter two out of the four times here, not, not a big deal there. Um, and in 2023, the ball striking has steadily improved as well. So I think we're looking at a Victor Hovland that is like due to pop. Like this is the tournament to me, maybe not this tournament, but like within the next few tournaments, Victor Hovland's going to pop. I love the progression. And I love the course history. Yeah. So he's um, to, to me, he's quite close. So I, I think a lot of people at this point realize I, I have a relationship with Victor. I walked nine holes with him and his team at Riviera on Wednesday, and he seems very close. And when he, and I don't know if you remember Wednesday at Riv, it was cold and windy, and he is able to hold the ball up and hit any shot that he wants into the wind. Also, just removing that fact that I think he's close and I think that he thinks he's close, um, getting thick rough around the greens – at golf courses like you're going to get at Bay Hill as opposed to really tight, nasty lies or whatever that some places can give you. Like, that's a good thing for Victor Hovland. Um, bunker play, we've seen greatness and we've seen some weaknesses. But I think this that Bay Hill skews on the better side of things for him short game-wise, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Oh, it totally does. And the, and the metrics bear that out. Um, a couple other guys. So there's one other guy I actually want to talk about. And I'm, I'm really curious who you like here, Rick, because there's a couple of guys I find really interesting, including Will Zalatoris, Xander Shoffley. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to get there on Tony Finau. I, you know, I, I like how he rates out and all that stuff, but I don't think I'm going to get there. The guy I'm going to get there on, perhaps. And if I do, it's probably not going to be a lineup with Rom because he's so expensive. But another guy that I don't think a lot of people are going to play is Max Homa. And it's partly because of his price. Because somebody's going to want to grab a guy in the 10K range, and they're not going to want to just suddenly then just go Max Homa at 9,700 because it leaves you really no wiggle room whatsoever. Um, over his last four tournaments, he's got a, a third, a second, and a first. So we know the recent form is great. I don't really, I'm not going to buy into the whole West Coast narrative. I just think Max Homa is a really good golfer at this point in his career, pretty much everywhere. Last year, he was a T17, but was sixth in ball striking. Uh, he lost almost two strokes with the putter. Again, the putter, not as huge worry for me with Max Homa. And at the API, he's finished 10th, 17th, and 24th. So a pretty good track record here. Again, a guy that's really expensive, certainly has win equity because we know he can close out tournaments. And he's been in the mix constantly in 2023. So Max Homa at 9,700, Victor Hovland at 9,000. Those are my two favorite. Of course, I like a lot more. Yeah, those um, I'm fine with home. I think I'm looking at the 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 tea leaves here on on Zalatoris, and it looks really good. You know, I've, mm -hmm. I've definitely been one to 
wait and see on Will, especially coming back from the injury and kind of the slow start to the year. But now he goes out and he gains eight strokes in the ball striking categories at Riviera. He gains across the board. These are all very good signs. I think the one thing I need to point out, Sia, because you know every every six weeks we get a Will Zalatoris figure eight loop putting stroke on Twitter, mm-hmm. and everybody freaks out. Um, he is a much improved putter. So mm-hmm. his his last oh god I don't have the stat in front of me but his last seventeen measured starts he's gaining like uh, now I got to look it up now I got to look it up I don't want to say the wrong thing but he is gaining let's see here Ba-ba-ba. this is very good right I'm just vamping on live. <laughs> It's like making noises. Okay, here we go. So over his last 17 measured starts, uh, he has gained 21 strokes. The 17 before that, he had lost 20, almost 21 strokes. So that is a 40-stroke difference with the flat stick uh, over the course of 34 starts. So he is tangibly much better at putting now than he was and when you combine that to him being an elite iron player who plays better and well i shouldn't say plays better he plays the same everywhere but tough golf courses allow him to separate himself from the field and that's what we're going to get this week yeah and i'll tell you i'm I'm in your in your camp when it comes to will zalatoris i might have been the leader of the camp to my detriment at the genesis invitational because I didn't want to touch Will Zalatoris because I didn't know what the significance of that back injury was. We remember about a month ago, we were like, did he get surgery? Did he not get surgery? I guess he yeah. didn't get surgery. But it sounds like when you, when you have a herniation and all this stuff, and I was like trying to play doctor, like maybe he didn't have a herniation in the first place. But I love what I saw at the Genesis. I love that this is a tough course. And, you know, in this 9K range, it's so rich with talent. It's not like Will Zalatoris is going to be hyper popular. So I, I think he's a great play. I think I think you could start a lineup with somebody in the – you could start a lineup with, let's say, a Rory and then go to Will and still be okay financially. Let's say you start with Homa and Will. That would be 19,100, which would leave you 7,700 left. So that so Homa and Will is basically the same as Rom and Victor. Which Ramen Ramen Victor is a little bit lower. Ramen Victor leaves you 7375, which unfortunately is kind of a difference. Yes. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. I was thinking it was I had my I had my numbers wrong. So okay. So actually, it's Homa and Will plus 400 uh, additional for every golfer that you have remaining. Right. For me, my preference there is the Ram one. And I just try to like, I think I'm good. So one thing to keep in mind. And maybe this is a bad argument, but let's not forget it's an invitational. So we got 120 players here and it's top 65 in ties as far as I know. So, I mean, I, there's going to be a larger percentage that of the of the entire field that makes the cut. So maybe that gives us some leeway to take some more shots in the 6K range. Rick, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think I'm going to be willing to take some shots at some talent in the 6K range, which is going to allow me, by the way, to take Rom and Hovland, take like, like a 6,700 dollar golfer for example and then all of a sudden get that sort of midpoint that i had with what you just presented with the max homa and uh and uh will zalatoris lineup okay how about this so you can either have rom and hovland and seventy three hundred dollars per golfer left over mm-hmm. or you can have morikawa zalatoris hovland and seventy three hundred dollars left ooh. over ooh that's that feels That's, a little different to me. That feels a little different. And for the record, if you don't like Morikawa for whatever reason, you want to swap them out for like Finau or JT, like you can You'd do that. And more. it's going to be the same yeah, or thing. Um, yeah. I, to be honest with you, that, that second one, that second option with the, the 9K guys, that sounds extremely appealing. That's uh, I love. Listen, I love John Rom. I bet him at the at Riviera, which I never do. I'm like, oh, I should bet John Rom more often. That was easy, right? Like, what am I doing? But that that feels almost too good like to get three three of those guys in the 9k and then just have to fill three spots with 7300 um man i don't know that's pretty interesting well i'll tell you right now because we 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 never just do one lineup right i I will definitely have like a couple lineups with 
the first variation and a couple lines with the second variation. Obviously, we'll have to mix in golfers in, in those lineups, but uh, I think those are two really good approaches. No pun intended. The, uh, I mean, there's so many guys. I mean, we didn't even talk about Xander. We didn't talk really about Patrick Cantlay or, or, or Tony Finau. I mean, the, the problem is it's just you can't play them all, obviously. Right. But I'll say this. If I had to rank those three, uh, because I think those are very three very good golfers, very relevant for this tournament. It's probably can't lay Xander Finau for me, even though that's not how it's going to quote rate out in my model. I, I, I that's how I see it. Can't lay was so good at Riviera. I mm-hmm. mean, he's just he's just like ugh, man. He's a machine. It, it never really looks that good. It's never all that fun. But he just he just gets it done. Stellar and stuff. he has he has the temperament to play in a in a on a golf course that's going to be problematic for every person on the course. We'll continue this conversation and find some value in this smaller field. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. And we're back. Reminder: Your fan one and done link is in the description right now. Get your vote in and see if you can. I don't know if you can pass Mark this week, fans. I'm sure you're within 3.6 million. There's a ton of money on the line. Um, Eight thousand dollars in this range: Sung Jay, Matt Fitzpatrick, Cam Young, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, Tom Kim, Terrell Hatton. Won this event before. Hideki, Sam Burns, Keith Mitchell. This is where things start to get interesting for me, Sia. Yeah, me, me too. I mean, it's such an interesting range. I, there, there's a lot of guys you can make an argument for. Uh, for me, just at the top, I think Sung Jay, Cameron Young, interesting. Uh, Spieth is an interesting one. I'm, I'm not going to play him. I'll tell you that right now. Um, the two guys that I think I'm most interested in, I'm actually curious to see Cameron Young here. Wow, he has really been bad with the putter. Huh? Yeah, that. so I'm I'm probably more bullish on Young wow. this week than most, but th- this is concerning. I, I'd be lying if, if, I, if I said this wasn't concerning, the fact that he's lost four straight around the green. He's lost in four out of five with the putter. That is, that is, um, that is different than what we saw from him last year. And when you get something that different, it always worries me, but his, his DNA would be really good for Bay Hill. I agree. He's really interesting to me. And if he's unpopular at 8,700, given what I think his upside is, especially if he's, he's, if he's zero with the short game, uh, I do like him at 8,700. I, I haven't played Cameron Young this entire year, and it hasn't really hurt me. But I, I kind of like this profile in spite of the short game issues. The ball striking is fantastic, actually. I mean, this is the this is the type of ball striking you see in the in the upper 9K range, if not better. So we know he can turn the putter around. And I, I don't know that bad putters can't succeed, or putters that are not playing well, putting well, I don't know that they can't succeed at Bay Hill. So I don't mind uh, Cameron Young at all. The guys I'm looking at, Jason Day at 8,500. One thing I looked at um, in this, I looked at on Rick Run Good actually was uh, weighted tee to green, weighted specifically. Last 24 rounds, Jason Day has been very, very good. Uh, I think he's inside the top 10 weighted tee to green. And I just like, from a trajectory standpoint, I just like where he's trending. I mean, the history here is okay, but this is a Jason Day that I think we're starting to see signs of the Jason Day from like, how long was it? Like four, five, six years ago when Jason Day was like, Almost dominant six uh, years ago. I think is I think the year that he went nuts was seventeen or fifteen. I always confuse those two, but yeah, it's it's been a while. I mean, he's had a little bit of success since then. Then he had kind of the dark period, but he yeah, he is he's playing the best golf in at least three or four years. 
And he's clearly confident everywhere. I mean, this isn't one of those things where, especially lately, where like one thing's been off and one thing's been on. I guess there's been a couple shaky approach things, but nothing that's super concerning. The ball striking, he's been great. The putting, he's been great. Around the green, he's been great. I, I just think he profiles really, really well here. So Jason Day at 8,500 is interesting. The other guy's Terrell Hatton. You know, guilty as charged for not being on Terrell Hatton this entire year, but I, it, it's hard to say no to him, especially when you look at what he's done here. The history, of course, is great, but I love how he's doing it. There have been times where he's been at Bay Hill and he's been an incredible ball striker and terrible with the putter or mediocre with the putter. Then there's times like last year, I believe, where he was excellent with the putter and his ball striking wasn't very good. So he, he can do it all here, in my opinion. And I think the game is really coming around. I mean, at the Genesis, the the approach play, you know, not great, but we see how his game has been trending from a ball striking standpoint. And the short game is fine. I think Terrell Hatton at 8,300 is the type of guy that we could see there in like the top five down the stretch on Sunday. Yeah, he's been he's been playing well. Uh, Jason Day, the five win year was 2015, and then he won three more times in the first five months of 2016. So that was a 17 month period in which he won eight times, which is just That's absolutely amazing. Absolutely bonkers. He had two wins in 2018. He has not won since May of 2018, the Wells Fargo championship. He's playing the best golf uh, since then. Almost, almost certainly. Well, I mean, Chris Kirk hadn't won for a long time until uh, yesterday. Maybe That's it's right. Jason day. And we saw Justin Rose just do it. Some of these guys uh, that we remember being really good. I'm not putting Chris Kirk in that category, by the way, but uh, they're still relevant. They're proving tournament after tournament that they're still relevant. I think Jason Day is on the right trajectory for that. There is some really good course history in this range. Matt Fitzpatrick, let me get a couple more years in here. Matt Fitzpatrick has played 26 rounds at Bay Hill dating back to 2016. Uh, 1.72 strokes gained per round. That includes one miscut. So if you think about it, uh, the other, what is that? Six are going to be pretty good results. T9, T10, T9, runner-up, T13, T27. So great stretch from Matt Fitzpatrick. The bottom of this range is pretty interesting, Sia. Um, Sam Burns, I, I'm not sure what version of Sam Burns we're going to get. I'm not sure he knows what version we're going to get. He's He has not done a good job of foreshadowing his play. He will either have a great week or a bad week. I just want to point out that if he does have a, a a ceiling Sam Burns week, that is him capable of winning, right? Which which is yeah. not always the case. You know, even even some of these guys, like if we have a Keith Mitchell ceiling week, is Keith Mitchell still going to beat these guys? Like, I don't know. Keith Mitchell ceiling week might have been Riviera. I, I don't know what if his ceiling is good enough to beat these guys. I know that Sam Burns ceiling is big enough to beat these guys. That is the perfect comp for the, the point you're trying to make. Keith Mitchell can't win in this tournament. Like, listen, anybody can win. Like, I get it. But his chances of winning this tournament versus Sam Burns' of, uh, of chances of winning this tournament are, in my opinion, are night and day. And I'm a Keith Mitchell guy. But that's uh, such a good comp because they're right next to each other. And I think Sam Burns has tremendous upside. He can also tank your lineup, but you're, we're playing GPPs here. Am I going to be high on Sam Burns this week? Probably not, but but I probably will include him in a couple lineups um, because I love the upside. Yeah, basically the same price. One guy, Keith Mitchell, playing really well. Great history. Burns kind of all over the place. If, if Sam Burns was playing to the let, let's say Keith Mitchell's playing to his like 90th percentile right now if Sam Burns was playing to his 90th percentile he would be way more than the bottom of the $8,000 range mm -hmm. right he'd be like 9400 so there is obviously a give and take here there's a floor and a ceiling debate to be had um Jordan Spieth poof, no idea right I, I I think he sprays it a little bit too much for my liking at Bay Hill. And then additionally, he is still, I mean, I, I think I've said this for 18 straight months. He is still in the midst of the worst putting stretch of his career. So probably, probably out on Spieth at this point, at least for this week. Yeah, I'm out on Spieth and I'm usually out on Spieth. So I don't know if it matters that I say that personally, but I will say like he, to me, he profiles much better as like a showdown play where he just gets red hot and we're like, oh, Jordan's back. And then the next day it's like, oh, Jordan's not back. So for four rounds, I, I really don't trust him at this point. He's a great golfer. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I don't trust him for four rounds at this point in his career right now. Anybody else? Anybody else in this 8K range that we need to talk about? I've talked about a lot of them. Anybody else we need to talk about? I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that as, as well as Matt Fitzpatrick profiles here, I mean, he does profile well just from a, you know, course fit standpoint and his history is great. I, and somebody mentioned it in the chat, by the way, but... 
Uh, do we know that he's healthy? Because um, he certainly hasn't shown it from a play standpoint. Uh, the stats don't look great. Um, so he's been very open about the neck injury. I, I don't know the latest. We saw him at Riv, which was two weeks ago. He missed the cut there. So he was done on Friday. So he's had a, you know, a couple of weeks and two days extra. I, I haven't heard any updates, but, but it is certainly, um, it's certainly a concern because he mentioned it, Sia, and then kind of the, it showed up in the game and, and the stats as well. Some guys say things like Xander's mm. back and then he goes out and like almost win. You know, it's just like, th this is, this is lining up with his, with what he's actually telling us. Yeah. And the thing is, is I think we have this perception of people that they can kind of like walk it off after like a couple weeks of rest. And that's not how the body actually works. Like, and I think the analogy is football, right? Like somebody will have like a growing injury or hamstring injury, or maybe even a neck injury, like in this case, and they're back on the field two weeks later. Like that's a different animal, right? Like that, that is a different type of analysis because like the foot, those guys, like they, they got to get back in there one way or the other. In this case, I mean, this could be a, a lingering neck injury for six, eight, 12 months. We have no idea. And so I just don't think, I'm not a Matt Fitzpatrick guy in the first place, but I, I do have to admit, like, I would kind of like to play him here. I just don't think I'm going to do it because I don't want to take that risk. Same with Hideki. I'm not sure about Hideki either. Let me see if he has a presser scheduled for this week because he would, if, if we can get somebody on site to just ask it, he's, he'll be honest with us. He'll tell us yeah. exactly. Uh, John Rahm, Eric Cole, Chris Kirk, Xander Shoffley, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, Max Homa, Cam Young, Patrick, Cantlay, no Matt Fitzpatrick. So, uh, all right, we might have to reach out to Matt Fitzpatrick in some other means and see what's what's going on. Seven thousand dollar range. Sahith Tagala and Shane Lowry are both seventy nine hundred. This range goes down to Benion, Harris English, Ryan Fox, Sam Ryder, Sepp Straka. Let's start knocking out some seven K golfers. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting guys in this range. Just like any other seven K range, we could, if we really wanted to, mention like. I don't know, 15 or 20 guys, or at least close to it. Chris Kirk jumps out at me. And I, I know I mentioned him at the, the front end of the show, but at 7,700, he's been really, really good here. And he's doing it the right way. It's not like an amazing putting performance. And that's why he's succeeding. Like last year, for example, fifth tee to green. Um, he gained across all metrics. Uh, last four on this track at API, fifth, eighth, 15th, 13th. I just think Chris Kirk is, is A, he's in a groove. Whether he won last week or not, to me, is kind of irrelevant. Like, he could have come in sixth last week, and I'd still like Chris Kirk at 7,700. And for the record, I don't think he's the profile type to be celebrating all week and come into this week being like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm just kind of kind of mail it in. So I, I do think it's, it's pretty funny because if he was – if he finished third last week, he would be the most popular player on the slate. Yeah. That's right? so true. Because he would have three third place finishes in his last four starts. He would have a history at API that's T5, T8, T15, T13, missed cut T12, right? You'd have five top 15s in his last six. But oh no, he played too well last week. He actually won the golf tournament. I I don't always go back to the guy who won last week. And this is, let's be clear, a field of epic caliber compared to the one that he just took down but yep. this is a golfer who's playing great going to a golf course that he sets up very well at i this is like i think one of the best times to go back to last week's champion totally agree um i'm definitely a fan of chris kirk at 7700 another guy at 7700 that i think i'm willing to take a chance on and i think it might be a little bit riskier but maybe not uh it's ricky fowler at 7700 great uh the weighted t to green numbers which i told you i, I took a, a long look at he was great there uh, generally been very good ball striking and with T to green here at uh, Bay Hill. Uh, the putter, I'll, I'll note, the putter held him back in 2022 and 2021 in a huge way. If you look at that, I think there was one of those two where he lost like six strokes putting, something like that. But uh, the putter has been really good to him lately. He's gained in six of his last eight measured events, and it's really probably seven of nine because he was second place at the Zozo, but that wasn't a measured event. So love how the putting's been. Love how he's been here, T to green. I think Ricky Fowler at 7,700 makes a lot of sense. Two other names to mention. Yeah, real quick, if you're just watching yeah. on YouTube, I mean, just this is his running strokes gain total for the last 100 rounds, and you can see, like, he like look at this trajectory. He found something. It's up and to the right. It's, it's you know, six really good starts in a row. Seven out of uh, eight have been have been splendid. It's th This season has gone very, very well for Ricky. Very well. Again, we, we, we've kind of we've touched on it a, a few times, almost like per show, where it's like, man, is this guy back? Is Justin Rose back? Is Webb Simpson back? By the way, 
I almost hit that Webb Simpson one. Remember, you guys gave me the one shot and I said he was going to top 25. Well, he was sitting T26 going into day four. And then day four happened. And he was like plus one and then plus four and then plus five and then plus infinity. And he ended up being close to last place. But I mean, he made the cut and he was good for three rounds. Something to be said for that. He's uh, he's 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 circling it. He's he's around it. He's figured it out. He's kind of figuring it out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wyndham Clark at 7,500 is interesting to me. Another guy that's playing quite well lately. And, and again, it's not just the off the tee stuff, which is going to help him here. The approach play has been really, really good for Wyndham Clark. The short game has been okay for him. To me, I see him as, as kind of like a discount Keith Mitchell. So instead of paying the 8K for Keith Mitchell, which I'm, for the record, probably not going to do this week, I'm probably going to go down to Wyndham Clark at 7,500. His weighted tee to green numbers, by the way, have been great over the last uh, 24 rounds. So Clark's one guy. And then the last guy who we know was good last week, not great, but good, and who is has been in very competitive field in, fields in majors just last year is Min Woo Lee at 7,300. I think we might be getting a little bit of a discount on Min Woo Lee just because he's still such an unknown. I think if we had more of a sample size on him on the PGA Tour, we might be looking at him at like 7,800, 7,700. So I think Min Woo Lee at 7,300 is a, is a discount type of guy. In. In on Minwoo. Yeah. Um, I liked him last week. He gained four strokes off the tee. He was a small winner on approach. He gave three back around the green, but that's something he doesn't usually do. And he putted well. So yeah, Min mm-hmm. Minwoo's Minwoo's great. He's a great player. He just you doesn't you don't see him a lot on, on the PGA tour. Uh Keegan's here. So Keegan yeah. obviously won Zozo earlier this year, had a close call at Tory Pines, finished T20 in Phoenix before losing four strokes putting at the Genesis. Uh speaking of course history. This is about as good as it gets without a victory. He's he's made 10 cuts in a row. Of those 10 cuts, one, two, three, four of them are top 11s, including each of the last two years, T11, T10. So uh, Keegan can get himself around Bay Hill here in uh, quite good form. I'm trying to see who else is here that uh, – oh, Sam Ryder. I think hmm. Sam, I think Sam Ryder's pretty good. So he had that close call at Tory. He's seven thousand dollars flat. He had that close call at Tory where he maybe should have, could have, would have won it. He was, I think he was in the lead on 15 on Sunday. Finishes T4, but that did not stop him. Sia he goes T20 in Phoenix, T20 at Riviera. He's great on the second shots, or at least that's the better part of his game. He can putt it well. And I I think despite the failings on Sunday, I don't want to call them failings. I, I mean, he got chased down by Max Homa at, at Torrey Pines. Like, okay, cool. Um, I, I, this feels like a confident golfer to me. This feels like a guy who's, who's learning something about his game right now. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't know that I'm going to get there on Sam Ryder. I think the Keegan argument is, is really interesting. One guy that I, I, I feel like I need to mention his history here is quite bad. Actually, there's two guys, Adam Hadwin. I, I do like for the record at 7,500. Um, I think he profiles kind of similarly to, to Chris Kirk. I like what the game has been doing lately. As we bring him up here, um, I guess his last time out, yeah, his approach play at the Genesis was was pretty bad. But prior to that, he's he's been great. Uh, so I think Adam Hadwin is interesting at 7,500. The other guy I wanted to bring up, though, is Shane Lowry. <laughs> yeah, really I bad thought, history. I thought that's who you were going to say when you said his history around here has been pretty bad. <laughs> and, and so, the, you know, and the thing is, it has been bad. And it's it's really, everything's been bad. The it's putter and the four, approach play. Four ugly missed cuts. With that said, that's why he's probably not going to be super popular. I don't know. He's Shane Lowry. So people are going to see that price tag and probably play him anyway. But because of the history, we know a lot of people aren't going to play him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is the time to just do something really contrarian and take the guy who has terrible course history. Cause I, I like how Shane Lowry's game is rounding into form. I, I, Oh God, I hate seeing four ugly missed cuts in four trips, <laughs> but I, I will say that, um, if you're looking for a reason to play Lowry, so these four miscuts, one of them was eight years ago in 2015. The others were 2021, 2019, and 2018. He is a much better player now than he was in any of those four yeah. years. And he's got 18 strokes gained from T to green in his last two starts. I will probably not get to a lot of Shane Lowry, but if you're looking to write off somebody's tournament history. This is about the easiest tournament history to write off. 
I totally agree. I, I, I'm going to have to play a little bit of Shane Lowry. He did, he did really well for me last week. I almost had a takedown last week um, with Chris Kirk as well, Rick, as you know. And uh, I thought he looked really comfortable. And, and I know he recently had a, a death in the family. And, and, you know, I don't know. It's a little narrative streety. But, like, you know, certainly the, maybe the motivation is going to be there a little bit more this week than it, than it would be any other week. Luke List, uh, you want to make a want to make a want to make a bet that this is worse than Kyle Stanley? Is that the bet? <laughs> I was trying to think what the uh, I was going to bet. What one of us take the side of will Luke List gain strokes with the putter, <laughs> which he has lost sixteen in a row. What odd? What odds would I need to give you, or would you have to give me to take the yes side that he's going to gain strokes with the putter? I'd have to be at like plus 900. <laughs> you would be at like minus 1600 on that one. All right. How about this? How about this? How about, how about, uh, we'll round it up. My $10 to your $1 that <laughs> okay. Luke, I, I'll take Luke-less gain strokes putting this week. Yeah, I'll take that bet. I'll take the dollar from you. That's okay. easy money. Okay. Um, this it's is- impossible. It's not possible. This is insane. I mean, it's on brand. I mean, first of all, I gave 13 strokes ball striking at Riviera, lost nine and a half in the short game. I will say he's been, I mean, it's not great, but he's gained three out of five Mm. times at Bay Hill, but he did lose seven last year on the putting surfaces. So this could be, (laughs) if he gained, there's like a 20 stroke. There's like a 20 stroke range of, of strokes that he could lose or gain with the flat stick this week. There's a really good chance that in a five course sample size for Luke list, that that is three out of five gaining is the best you're going to see from Luke list on any course on the PGA tour. We might've just seen it. Uh, Yeah. So I, I looked it up earlier. It's um, I didn't do it by like three out of five, which is probably what you just said is probably true. I just did it with raw strokes gained and like mm-hmm. places that he's that he's played at least 20 rounds. He's losing here and it's like his fourth best. Yeah, that makes sense. It's stupid. But hey, Luke, maybe uh, maybe roll a couple in for me this week and win me what win me 10 bucks. Um, anybody else in the 7K range that we need? Uh, you know, Seamus power is at least interesting because of the recent form. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get there with him. Lucas Herbert has had a good finish here. Uh, he did it. It was last year. He did it all with the putter, like almost literally with that seventh place. I think it was a T seven. Dude. Seamus has been so good. Yeah. He was really bad here last year though. I mean, it's just one, it's just one year, but like he literally lost everywhere last year. It was horrific. (laughs) No, well not everywhere, but. Yeah, 6.56 ball striking is horrific in two in two rounds. That's right. uh, I, I'm going to assume there was some water, some water in play on those. That that, sure. would, that would be the way to start racking those up. Uh, OK, six thousand dollar range, which goes from. Eric Cole back at it again, Frankie Molinari, JJ Spawn, Justin, Suh, Patrick Rogers, Taylor Pendrith to the min price golfers. Luke Donald, Troy Merritt, Chez Reevy, amongst others. Let's find some value, Sia. Where are we going first? Well, shout out to Greg Ducharme, of course, who was all over Eric Cole last week. Yeah. And honestly, it's really interesting because he played so well. He was so locked in, and he's clearly taking advantage of the opportunity he has. I mean, granted, small sample size, but him and Justin Suh at 6,900, I don't hate either of them. And Listen, as bad as Justin Suh was putting, on on yesterday i should say uh on during round four those putts were really close there were so many lip outs it wasn't like he was like really misreading it or they were horrible putts like a lot of the half of those in my opinion could have gone in if they were like you know a half a mile per hour you know hit less or or more it was just it was so frustrating to watch even though i didn't have him in dfs so i was i was happy to watch him fall i think both those guys are potentially in play here yeah, uh, so so Justin, uh, th- this is a, an incredible stat in, in multiple directions. He lost over eight strokes putting on the weekend and still finished T5, which shows you how well he was hitting it, how well he putted for the first two days. And yes, um, the strokes gain numbers don't tell you that like every single one of them lipped out or at least looked pretty good for a long time. Uh, but 
but did not drop for him. The Eric Cole stuff, I I love the story. I think it's interesting. I think he's a great player. There's just no chance he gains eight and a half strokes putting again in this field, right? Oh, well, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's completely but, fair, but, but he was he gains, dialed in. If he gains two and finishes T19, that's like a massive win. Well, so the, the, the problem with, with what you just said is it, it, it forces us to ignore what he did with the ball striking. Because because sure. the reality is, if he like you said, if he had gained two but gained six and a half ball striking, we'd be like, wow, what an incredible performance. But now we're like, oh, it was all putting. But it yeah. wasn't, ultimately. But again, it, it, on this course, it could be I – mean, listen, last, last week was a tough course too, but um, it could unravel for him. But I just liked – I liked what I saw for every single round. Like the moment did not phase him. I thought he would buckle uh, on Sunday, and he didn't. A couple of guys that I'm interested in. Uh, Pe- Taylor Pendrith, just kind of longer term. He has not been very good as of late, or at least not playing to his strengths. But you want to talk about clubhead speed. You want to talk about distance. You want to talk about somebody who can get hot with the putter. Um, if you think Taylor Pendrith can get back to his 100-round baseline, this would probably be a pretty good spot for him. Uh, Garrett Higo, who we've been tracking for the last couple of weeks or a month or so, playing, uh, again, low bar, but playing a lot better golf. T11 at the American Express, T29 at the Honda. He got hot on – I think it was Saturday. He went out in 29, kind of – Gave a couple back. I think he was only three under when the day finished, but showed the upside. And also that was like uh, some significant fantasy scoring that that he earned. And then the other one. Okay. I want to get your thoughts on this. See it. And if, see if you can explain this because I uh, certainly cannot. So this is the 2023 season. Round one. Hayden Buckley is gaining two strokes per round in round one. That is the same as Tom Hoagie, better than Scotty Scheffler, better than Seamus Power, better than Xander Shoffley, better than Colin Morikawa. Okay, we we agree that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just gave me a player to play in my for my first round leader article. Thank yeah, you, Rick. He's you're welcome. He's been awesome. Well, for your second round leader article, you might want to mm-hmm. not consider this. So he is almost dead last losing a half. So he has lost six strokes at the Honda in round two, six strokes at the Genesis in round two, four at Torrey Pines in round two. I'm going to assume this is just random noise. There's no way he actually just like cannot play golf on Fridays, right? That's super weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain that. That's two and a half strokes different over. Like, I know it's only what, like four, the last four tournaments, but this is, this is crazy. Some of that could be like wind wave stuff that maybe we, we don't know. I mean, who knows? But yeah, that <laughs> that's definitely pretty crazy. By the way, I like the Pendrith call. I, I think guys from an upside standpoint, guys like Pendrith, Burns, and, and Cameron Young, like those are all guys that aren't really where they need to be right now, but all have the requisite upside to like top 10 or top five this tournament. So I, I like the Pendrith call. One, a couple other guys in the 6K range that I like, Alex Smalley rates out really well. Greens in regulation, which I'm putting an emphasis on, uh, he's been, he's been great there. Uh, especially when you put on the, the filters, uh, some of the modeling I put on like difficult scoring conditions, wind, all that stuff. But, uh, inside the top 15 last year, T to green, uh, the only reason he didn't finish uh, way higher than he did last year was because he lost three and a half strokes with the putter. Now the putter has been a problem for him, but he's gained with the putter too. And three and a half strokes is, is even a little bit more egregious than what we normally see from him. So I think Alex Smalley at 6,700 is pretty great value with some with some decent upside the other guy i'll mention i mentioned him every single show legitimately every single show uh adam shank at 6400 he's made five cuts in a row and oh by the way he's made he's played here twice at bay hill and he's made both of those cuts as well now he's done it in kind of an unorthodox unorthodox way um like yeah like we see here like one of those was he basically just gained around the green and that was it but the other one he gained ball striking so i just think adam shank is one of those guys that for whatever reason gets continually overlooked and just keeps making cuts he's not a big scorer or anything but he keeps making cuts. yeah he's he is a cut maker he um there was he also had like he had one of the longer made cut streaks going i think it was last year maybe at the end of the year before where it was like john rom and him had like the two longest made cut streaks i think he finally snapped it at some point but yeah he is a he is a cut maker he can find it he can find it to the weekends i will say that if you're not watching us on youtube a shame on you but b the ball striking numbers fyi they didn't look great 
And by didn't look great, I mean looked like pretty bad. So he's saving he's he's discount Taylor Montgomery, basically, saving himself with the putter. Yeah, there was a lot of there was some red on the on that on that profile. <laughs> okay. Um I think that does it for me. Yeah, I think we're good here. I think we can I think we can now move along to our uh <laughs> strokes gain narrative portion of the show which uh if you're not paying attention sia tweets out every monday hey we're now accepting narrative lineups and generally it is the sponsor or the location or something where people submit uh, a lineup of six golfers based on some type of narrative so troy do we have this all right here we go chris uh the dfs influencer says strokes gain they're not drinking arnold palmers and then he has listed six golfers with what i believe sia is is what he thinks these golfers would be drinking that are not arnold palmers i think that's correct chris is usually like he's usually like kind of mysterious he, he submits lineups all the time they're usually kind of mysterious you kind of have to read into him a little bit but i think that's what this is so for example ricky fowler has two old fashions because he's turning back the clock joel damon Coors light duh as chris says so those are these are pretty creative chris thanks for uh Sending these in. The colors are hard to read on my screen, but appreciate it. They probably look better on Twitter, and I'm looking at a small screen, but appreciate you. Uh, Ryan at Fantasy Bunker says, the API brings us to Orlando, home of Disney World. I've heard of that. Here are a few of my favorite Disney characters. Luke Donald Duck, obviously. His girlfriend, Jason Daisy Duck. So that's Luke Donald and Jason Day for those of you playing at home. Tony Goofy now. <laughs> That's Goofy. <laughs> Padraig Harring Tinkerbell. <laughs> Pretty good. Here's your guy. We just talked about him. Alex yep. Small Eeyore. That's a good one. And my favorite, of course, Winnie the Sea Pooh Kim. <laughs> well done. Very creative. Ryan. Very creative. Very creative. John Markowski, a.k.a. The Goat, has provided us uh, with a spiked Arnold Palmer. It is delicious, and it is a refreshing beverage. Here are some others of the same ilk. A dark and sa-dormy. Jason, sa. Dark and sa-dormy. Sa-dormy. And the perfect Manhattan. Terrell Hatton, of course. A Lipsky sour. A... Kimlet, not a Gimlet, and a two-for-one, a Rom and Coke. That's John and Greg, spelled K-O-C-H. Wow. Solid stuff. The fans Great are stuff. savvy. The fans are smart. The fans are creative. Mm -hmm. I lack the creativity of the fans. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, your your brain is, is wired a different way, right? That's why also, you don't listen to music. That is... <laughs> Maybe I should start listening to music and get uh, – maybe – do you think that if I started listening to music, it would unlock a part of my brain that I never use? Rick, I, I like you just the way you are. I don't think you need to listen to music. And the answer to that question is yes, by the way. It's like if you write things down instead of like typing them or whatever, it unlocks a different part of your brain. Right. And if you hear things, you, you might be better at, uh, at learning styles. Uh, you might be better hearing things as opposed to writing them down. I also lack the one and done prizes that the fans have. They're in second. We we are not. This is our week, though, Sia, to make a dent. Yeah, I mean, this might be the week I pull the the John Rom card that I already pulled, but you know, obviously didn't get my money for. So I I'll might tell you have to what, pull it you here. might you might end up on the right side of that if you use him this week and he goes out and wins the thing. Well, the truth is I should have used him the following week of that controversy because that was at the Genesis Invitational. So that would have been, what was it, three and a half million to the winner or whatever it was. So now I feel like anytime I use Rom, it's going to be the wrong time because I could have just used him uh, that week. Or, okay, well, then your only chance to get more than that would be next week at the players. It's Can I ask like you this? Four point something. Oh, okay. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know it was a bigger prize pool than, uh, <laughs> than this week. Um, the, the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yeah. How are we doing? The winner of like the winner of the actual, not not the event, but the of the FedEx. Like, I, couldn't I just save John Rom until then? So and what we have like done, what we have done historically, 
is uh, we have taken the – oh, shoot. What have we – we have taken Memphis, doubled, doubled it, and used that as the tour championship. We have never – we've never taken the, the bonus money. Gotcha. So like the 15 or $20 million or whatever it's going to be, we've never used that. I think what we do is we do uh, double the Memphis purse and then – I can't remember if we use the starting strokes or not. I think we do. I think we do. I think that's what we did last year. So should I be saving Rom for the – because he might start two shots up. I mean, yeah, it's not – It's not uh, two shots isn't everything, but it's certainly something. All right. The fans – vote your link to the google doc is uh in the description go get your vote in right now mega preview pod tuesday and of course the round by round recaps after the final putt drops each and every day give or take a few minutes we might have some other uh responsibilities but keep those in mind they're coming back this week okay uh big thanks producer troy does all the hard work behind the scenes see Najad available on twitter at see Najad. you can find me at rick run good this has been the first cut we'll catch you next time Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.